Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Corbett, your host, and once again joined by that professional prognosticator, Mr. Brandon Noway. Also, you can find Brandon at the Sports Blitz One, and you can also find us at the Baseball Biz on Twitter. Thank you all for joining us again. Man, do we have a great week here with a special bonus edition all about the Rays. So raise up, Brandon. Man, it has been one freaking crazy week. I know. It's been, it's just been like a whole crazy past month here in Tampa Bay with, you know, the lightning going on, winning the Stanley Cup. Now the Rays going on this run to the World Series and, and the Bucks making some noise on the football field. I know I was listening to one of the other uh, sports announcers the other day, and one of the things he was commenting on is, let's see, he says, hmm, L.A., L.A., oh, yeah, we got the Lakers. We just got a national championship. He says, Tampa, Tampa. Oh, they just got the Stanley Cup. That's another national championship. Now, let's see about baseball. Yeah, let's see about baseball. I'm pretty excited, man. I can't uh, – sleep deprivation, you and I have talked about that. Uh, <laughs> even after watching the game, I want to stay up longer. Yeah, it's if it means that they keep going, I don't mind losing a little bit of sleep for another week or so. Oh gosh, but you know, it, it's been like one of those Disney rides. What is that? That um, Thunder Mountain or whatever the the train engine roller sco- coaster. You get on that and you're flying, you know, smoothly, and then you're actually going up, 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 up. It's just like those first three games of the ALCS, up, 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 and then you get to a point where there is no tracks left. You know, there's just the abyss in front of you, which were the ne- you know the next three games at the ALCS. Ah, I'm choking. I'm choking. Oh my gosh! I thought Emma. Uh, then I was wondering if I'd ever sleep again. And that seventh game. I mean, if you enjoy tension, if you enjoy, you know, I need maybe a couple other sessions with a psychiatrist after that. But uh, it was, gosh, it was one crazy, crazy, crazy set of games. It's been nuts. Yeah, and, and I love Game Sevens. To me, they're like probably my favorite sporting occurrences out there because it's go or go home. And you know, I prefer my team not be in the Game Seven because they've already moved on, <laughs> and you know, it keeps the stress levels down. But they're always fun to watch, always a treat, and they're just fun to watch. But man, was it something looking at Petco Stadium post game and seeing the excitement on the Rays. They were tied into that, man. I mean, you know, you see all the excitement jumping up and down, everything else out there, certainly celebrating Rosarina. We'll talk a little bit more about him later. But the entire team did so much, and the celebrations continue. But Rosarina, okay, I'm going to say this much. I can't say his name without talking about the dance-offs. He celebrated what with Brett, uh, Brett Phillips on those. Did you see any of that? Uh, I saw they had a dance-off. I just didn't really see any video of it this time. Oh, it's crazy nuts. I mean, they both are absolutely insane, but that's the kind of excitement they put in with it. And, and seeing the families there who were were able to see part of this last game, you know, there at Petco and some of the kids coming out with the families. Of course, even more so that I think the other day with the Dodgers because they've already allowed some fans into those games. And we'll talk about that a little later too. But Rosarina, he's, he's so funny. And what he did, you know, I mean, talking about COVID, and he had to be sequestered, Try to figure out his own menu, and he came up with a rose con pollo, chicken and rice, or rice and chicken, <laughs> I guess. But somebody was saying, well, you know, I think he's on PDE. I think I think there's some kind of uh, PE, <laughs> PED, whatever, performance enhancement drug. 
and somebody else said, yeah, it's called chicken and rice. <laughs> MLB needs to look into the chicken and rice scandal. Hey, I mean, I'm not a very big rice fan, but if I can, you know, have uh, success like he does, I don't mind eating chicken and rice for a few weeks. Well, I'm going to celebrate today by having chicken and rice for my late lunch after this show. That doesn't sound that bad. You can come <laughs> back, Jack, next week. Yeah, that's it, brother. That's it. You know, me and the steroids, just like some of our uh, political figures out there, I want to be just so pumped with my steroids and ready to go. <laughs> uh, okay, enough enough of the politics. But I, I would like to take a moment and see what it took for us to get here. I mean, if you look at our regular season, we had a forty. We had a sixty-game season, forty wins, twenty losses. And while I'm, I don't, don't want to trudge up all that we did, but it was really crazy, you know, getting to play against the Yankees again and beating them with saying, you know, they had their full contingent. There were there were some tears earlier in the year. Oh, we don't have Judge. Oh, we don't have them. Oh, we don't. In case, by the way, in case anybody's wondering, this is a pro race announcer group here between Mister Brandon and myself. So. We will go ahead and opine how we feel about the teams and the players. But, yes, so I, I don't feel completely sorry for, for the Yankees. You know, they got a great team. There's certainly some good players out there. But we love, you know, being able to push ourselves up a little bit. I don't know. Maybe it's my own inflated ego and I need certain kind of uh, anything. Well, I'm falling hard up here. I'm trying, cutting this. <laughs> hey, everybody else will pump up the Yankees. We got to pump up ourselves. So That's right. We yeah, we don't That's get this right. very often on the baseball field, so we're going to take no, what we can get. Absolutely. I mean, and that's, uh, that 40-20 season was just outstanding when you think about it was. So many people said, well, I don't know about this season. Somebody was on the show the other day saying, well, I think this season needs an asterisk. And somebody said, I think it needs triple exclamation marks because it has been intense, and anybody who can do what we did during this season definitely needs to have the exclamation marks. Forget your asterisk. We'll save those for the Astros. And I don't, I don't buy the whole asterisk thing. But I, I do buy the uh, exclamation marks because the shortened season was something I, I wanted before this pandemic and everything. And the excitement it really brought for the regular season, and I'll dive more into that later in a future show. I thought it really brought something to baseball that we we haven't seen ever, and urgency. Oh, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I, the in urgency, the intensity, and while we always say every game counts, <laughs> multiply that by three. But that's that's what we were really seeing out here. It, it took that kind of intensity. You had to every run, every game counted. You don't you don't get there otherwise. Yeah, baseball is it's usually like this calm, laid back. It takes forever sport, and you know that that's fine. That's kind of the charm of baseball, but it adds so much more which is why I love the playoffs so much, why everybody loves baseball's playoffs, is it adds something that the regular season doesn't have. Who survived? Who was able to get to this point? What they achieved to get here? And, and talking about that, I'd like to go ahead if you don't mind. Let's ready to do the rundown here on the ALCS games. I am if you are. All right, brother. Go ahead and share your knowledge. We'd love to hear it. All right. So we'll start in game four because we did the first three last week. The Rays were up 3-0, looking for the sweep. Of course, they didn't get that, as you all know. Spoiler alert. Houston took that one 4-3. Glasnow was on the mound. He went six innings, four earned runs, five strikeouts, two walks. 
But Rosarino at the plate, he had a two-run homer, and Adamas had an RBI double, which almost was a homer, but he hit to the deepest part of the park. And on the Astros side, Granke went six innings, gave up two earned runs, seven strikeouts, and a walk. Altuve having a solo shot, an RBI double as well, and Springer a two-run homer. And I don't, Mark, I don't know about you, but Glass now, even though he he went six innings, I couldn't help but feel a bit disappointed again with our starters. At least in this game. Yeah. Like, he had decent stuff, but he just, like, got in his own way. He wouldn't attack. And they all really seem to do that this series. Yeah, I mean, some people talk about sports, and they talk about a killer instinct. And I know where you are as far as that, as far as going on attack. You know, are they how aggressive are they being, you know? Uh, I, I can see that. I, I, I agree with you there. All right, so they dropped game four, going on to game five. Houston won that one by the same score, four to three. The Rays side, Lau, Rosarina, and Choi all had solo shots. And for Houston, Springer had a solo shot. Brantley in a two RBI single, and Carlos Correa had the walk-off homer. <laughs> and then moving on to game six, you know, starting to clinch a little bit more, get a little tight. And that game just really wasn't pretty from the beginning for the Rays. As now he only went four innings, two earned runs, four yeah. strikeouts, four walks. He didn't have his best stuff again, and maybe they should start putting Ian Snell out there instead of Blake Snell. <laughs> Ian was our best pitcher so far. On the offensive side of the ball, he had Adamas. He had an RBI double. Margot had two homers. One was a solo shot. Another was a two-run shot. And on the Houston side, Framber Valdez, he went six innings, gave one earned run, nine strikeouts, three walks. And pretty much all the big names on Houston contributed. Springer had a two-run single, Altuve, an RBI double. Correa, a single with an RBI. The Tampa kid, Kyle Tucker, he had a solo shot. Brantley, an RBI single. And Tucker, another sack fly late. So moving on to Game 7, they put Charlie Freak okay, and Morton. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt you right there, buddy. We're not just going to go on to Game 7. Because at <laughs> this point, you were talking about clinchers. Yeah, there was part of me that was definitely clinching, you know, after game six. It was clinching before game six. But, oh, good gravy. This goes, like I said about that ride, I'm coming up here and I'm looking at the railroad tracks and there's none left. Okay, I mean, come on, we had three wins and the next three games are losses? And, and what's what's going to happen? You know, how are the arms going to do? I, I'm excited. You know, I'll let you talk about Charlie because I was excited about that, but there's a lot of people who aren't doing anything offensively. So I'm sorry. Go ahead and bring in game seven because I'm suffering. Well, I'm right. I'm right there with you. I mean, the way everything was going, I thought game seven was pretty much a loss because all the momentum swung to Houston side. The Rays, it felt like they couldn't do anything right. It was like in the beginning of the series, the Rays could do nothing wrong and Houston couldn't do anything right. And then immediately a flip to where Houston can do nothing wrong. The Rays can do nothing right. So going into Game Seven, I think everybody was kind of like, "Oh no, it's it's they're gonna blow it," and you can't really blame anybody because the way it was going, that's the way it looked like it was gonna happen. Oh yeah, but it, it, all the all the announcers, all the uh, analysis out there said, "Well, this is it. Here we're breaking history here. This will be the first team that came back after having three losses in the first three games and winning the ALCS." Like, yeah. I'm tired of listening to you guys. 
But what? But is there really anybody you'd rather have on the mound in a game seven than Charlie Morton? Oh no, man! That that's the one thing I was very excited about. That was the one thing that gave me hope. Well, he he gave us more than hope. He gave us everything he had. He went five and two thirds of shutout ball, with six strikeouts and a walk. And the thing is, he did something none of the other starters would do: is he was efficient and he just attacked guys. He didn't waste any time. He he got them down and then he just got them out. It's like it's like okay, you're down, you're gone, you're down, you're gone. He just didn't waste any time and nibble. He just attacked. That's it. I mean, you said efficient and attacked, and the rest of the pitching. Rest of the pitchers there, guess what? Take note. This is Charlie's clinic for all the rest of the Razor pitching. And I'm sure Kyle Snyder made that point to the rest of the team as well. But gosh, man, it's so exciting to watch him. I mean, like you said, he's so efficient. And do you have the number of pitches he had? I mean, it was, I know it was minimal for that uh, for the game. I believe he only had 66 pitches. <laughs> Many pitchers would, would die for that. Poor McCullers. I'll let you talk about McCullers in a minute, but that's a whole other situation. Yeah, I, I, I tweeted it out when they, they pulled Morton. I would have liked to have seen him go deeper, but, you know, the Rays, they don't like to have their pitchers go through the lineup a third time, Yeah, and, which I do understand because, you know, you just look at the math. The, the more you see the guy, the higher the average goes up. But, man, he was, it just felt like he was dealing the whole night. It was just like he was almost unhittable, and it, I kind of felt like he got into a little bit of trouble. They should have let him work out of it, and then they just pulled him. Well, you you know, I mean, Cash pardon me, Cash stays with his formula. It works. It's, it's worked so far. Yeah, and and it, I was actually sitting there watching the game and feeling slightly critical of Charlie just before Cash pulled him. I thought maybe he's just waning a bit. Not much, not much. I mean, who would notice? I mean, he was so subtle. But I I know a lot of us are scratching and say, oh my gosh, you pulled Snell the other day and now you're pulling Charlie Morton? Yeah, we'll go back. We'll move on a little bit instead of doing the Charlie Morton podcast fan club. Rosa Reina, he he continued his MVP postseason. He had a two-run shot. Zanino, he had a homer as well and a sack fly. Fairbanks came in. Wasn't the prettiest, but he got the job done. He pitched an inning and a third one walk and three strikeouts. And then on the Houston side, McCullers, another Tampa kid, he started the game for the Astros. Only went three and two-thirds, but he got the job done for the Rays. Gave up three earned runs, seven strikeouts, and a walk. And then Correa had the lone two RBIs on a single in the ninth. It's weird. I, Fairbanks stresses me out. I've said it before because he seems like he doesn't have the greatest control out there. I was wondering why they didn't put Castillo in because he's been pretty much automatic. It feels like him and Anderson have switched roles where Anderson makes you nervous late in games. And then you put in Castillo, who's usually the one making you nervous, but he's the one coming in and his lights out when it's usually Anderson who's lights out. So weird having the roles flipped a little bit. And Fairbanks, like I said, he does stress me out, but he seems like he does get the job done. Even though it's not the prettiest, he gets the job done eventually. Well, it's interesting watching Fairbanks to me because he always looks so intense. And I thought, are you are you worried? Are you attacking? Are you just so focused on what's about to happen? But and they, when they do a close-up on Fairbanks when he's pitching, I thought, no, just don't show me that close because he looks so intense. It's like, 
Is he concerned or is he just really, really focusing on what that next pitch is going to be? I don't know. It's, I think it might just be like his face. It's just like his resting face. Because I've seen in interviews, his eyes are like really big. It's like he's ready to just go off on you or something. I, maybe he's always in his on his game face. Well, he you know he he performed very very well. And we were talking about this earlier. Runners in scoring position, not oh. exactly the Rays' strong suit. Houston. They did a decent job in the last few games. They were one for two, one for five, three for ten, two for five. That moved their average up to two thirty nine in the series. And then the Rays, the last four games were one for four, zero for six, zero for four, zero for two for a one sixty two series average. It's not really a coincidence that the momentum started to shift when that one team started to figure out how to hit with scoring position, and then the other team <laughs> didn't. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's something that, you know the boys have got to work on that. <laughs> I mean, hopefully they had it all put together by now, but they're getting better. Yeah, we wrote down here a few notes about what's the favorite and saddest moments of the the whole thing, and Risp absolutely was. You know, you think about how many of those guys are left on base, and also looking kind of our, our dependency on home runs. I mean, not that anybody wants to watch small ball anymore, but geez and crackers, if we didn't have Rosarina out there hitting those home runs as he did. You know, we'd gone home long ago. Yeah, that's him and his cowboy boots. There you go. They're, they're carrying the team to the World Series. It's and a few months ago, means. nobody knew who this guy was. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm sorry. Did you use the word rookie with him? Wasn't he, wasn't he with the Cardinals? Yeah, there was a glimpse there with the Cardinals, but he is certainly making his name and his abilities known here in Tampa Bay. Let's see. What else we got there? So, I, you know, obviously he stepped up, and some of the sadder moments he's talking about is seeing the performance by Austin Meadows and Brandon Lau. Both, you know, ex- outstanding players, but who have not been on their top of their game in the last several games. You know, of course, Austin had been out for a bit with COVID, but he's starting to show a little bit more the last few games, and Brandon was looking a little better the last few games. So I'm hoping that in particular growth doing better we'll see more of that as we start in the world series yeah and that's a bit of the downside of you know the shortened season you don't really have a ramp up time to get going and i don't think it helps that meadows did have covid19 i don't know really how bad he had it that's none of my business but you know even anytime you're sick you're gonna it's gonna affect you for a while and imagine a virus like that has affected him for a while and he couldn't train or anything. So he's basically sitting around and this was a good time to get your timing going. And Lau, he just never really felt like he got going either. And no, no. Maybe he is starting to get going a little bit more now. We saw him lay down the bunt, which was beautiful, by the way. I love seeing <laughs> that. And, you know, he has started to put the ball in play more, getting on base more. So hopefully. Better late than ever, he's starting to get going. He can contribute a little bit more. And this is no time better than the World Series to hit your stride. Blow it out, man. In fact, whatever that was in the in the pipes, it slowed it down. Blow it out. And let's see all that performance right here in the World Series because it's, it's time. It is absolutely time, Brandon. There's not really been a home advantage for anybody during this series because everybody's nobody's playing home or playing satellites out in little bubbles. We had 
Nice little advantage for a bit there in Petco, even though we weren't the home team. One, we had two, at least two players I know of them, uh, Margot and Renfro, both who had been Pondrazen recently, and they have a, an experience in that park. By the way, Margot, who no, doesn't normally do right field, made one of the most exciting catches I've seen in baseball this year. I think made the highlights for probably two days with him in right field, running over to get to catch that ball over a fence. His whole body flips into a concrete little gullet, and he comes out with the ball in hand, and the ump says, yep, you got it. The ball is out. That, to me, one of the most exciting moments in, in the season outside of, well, outside of a lot of other things, but certainly Charlie Morton, but since this is the Charlie Morton love show. <laughs> uh, but that, to me, that was one of the most exciting things to see out there. Okay, so yeah, that's probably like the, one of the greatest defensive plays in race history, not just the timing, but the, he just flips over the wall and disappears. Absolutely. So at the home field advantage of playing a couple of the series in the same place, having some players who played in that field before, I think certainly helped us to some degree. I'm not, won't say it was any kind of deciding factor, but it maybe gave a certain comfort level. Yeah. And, you know, it always helps when you have, an idea, hint, hint, Astros, of what you're getting into. <laughs> you know, the shadows, even though that's something simple. Oh, my gosh. It does have a big effect because, you know, seeing a ball going from sunlight to darkness, as, as fast as it's going, you don't really have time to react. So you pretty much have to make up your mind. And little things like, you know, the layout of the field, even that's something you got to learn especially for outfielders. Absolutely. And the, I got to tell you, though, I'm tired and tired and tired. I guess we won't hear it now. I'm tired of hearing about Marine effect. Oh, gosh, about the Marine layer coming in. And the sh- we need this because at this point in the game, there are the shadows. And you see those big lights up there? They cast a shadow down here. So we don't really need to change how lights are set up in this operation. But that's how it affects the game. So you'd want to really have an evening game. Come on now. I'm tired of hearing. How many times during those seven games was that talked about? I mean, to the nth degree. I want to give the announcers some credit. They've they've got seven games to cover. They've got to talk for three and a half, four hours for each one of these games. they got to talk about something. But good gravy, man. Can you find something else about that daggone marine layer? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't really know what a marine layer is, even though we live in Tampa Bay, which is has a lot of water, if you don't know. I mean, Absolutely. Well, you know, the thing <laughs> of it is they're pointing out, and it's true, is because, and you would see on the field, the water would come up, the ball would hit out there as a grounder, and it would be spitting water behind the ball as it, it rolled across. And so that that was obvious. So think about the air. One thing they did mention is that because of the moisture, the ball wouldn't travel as far as well as if it was in a hot, dry day. And there's something to be said for that. But I, I don't want to belabor it. I think they did, so I'm not going to say I don't want to say nothing word about it. <laughs> we have a dome that they can play in. We know a place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, that's interesting, too, because the dome in Arlington, they're keeping open because of COVID. Unless it rains, they're going to keep it open. And one of the games I was watching, it looked like a daggone whirlwind was in there. It looked like you need a windbreaker to be in. I mean, not so much because of the temperature, but literally seeing Kershaw up there on the mound and his – his uh, uniform was flapping the wing like a you know like a flag in a storm. Yeah, it was very windy, and I remember I wasn't watching it because I believe it was Saturday that game was. I was watching 
you know, college football because that's what I do on my Saturdays. Mm-hmm. I have nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I kept seeing on Twitter that are they going to close the roof? This is getting ridiculous. And so I switched to the game just to see what's going on. It's like they're playing in a wind tunnel. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And I know there's all sorts of rules about, you know, retractable roofs and everything. Like, like I believe it's like 90 minutes before the game. You have to say whether it's going to be open or closed. I don't, I don't know for sure. My Even understanding that's an MLB was the rules. Yeah. Well, again, my understanding is MLB's rule for because the COVID area era. Let's try again. The COVID era was that they wanted to have air circulating in there. They, uh, it, it was circulating. Yeah, it definitely was. So those two things. Going back to what I was saying about home advantage, though. Looking at the Dodgers here, they've been playing several games, so they've got a better feel for was it Globe Field Park than than we do. As a matter of fact, we've never played there. A lot of people have never played there because it just opened this year. So the, the Dodgers have that as an advantage. And I'm not trying to say anything in the, up front as a disadvantage to us. It just is what it is. And we'll adapt. You know, we'll get out there in a couple of games and we'll adapt to it. Yeah, and you might not really have to – you don't really have to worry as much about shadows because from what I've seen, the sun really doesn't affect the stands as much or a marine layer as they had out in San Diego. So – Hopefully, shadows won't be as big of an effect. Yeah. So, well, and here's another thing because all the games are going to be started at eight o'clock. I was surprised to see that. I thought there'd be some variety in game starts. And I'll mention this, we'll say it later too, that all games are going to be on Fox at eight o'clock. And we'll go down to details about that a little later. Well, let me ask you another thing. Here we are going into the World Series, Tampa Bay Rays. Never said that enough here on Baseball Biz. Tampa Bay Rays, and what, if any, lineup changes can we expect for the Rays or possibly even the Dodgers in this World Series? Do you see anybody that we would want to add or anybody we'd want to take off? Any pitchers, any fielders? I've honestly looked it over. I can't think of anybody that I could say, hey, take this guy out, put this guy in, he provides us a better chance because everything everybody for the raise that I believe gives them the best chance is out there right now. Now there are guys that I would maybe put out there more. Like I would put Choi out there more than I would put Yandi out there just because right. to me Choi has been much more consistent. And you know Meadows, even though he has gotten a, a little bit better, maybe I wouldn't put him out there every day like they have. But if Cash feels that he's coming around and he's going to have a big day soon, then who am I to argue with him? Yeah, we we got to trust the guys that see him every day. I mean, it's, that's true. But if you do, I, I have trouble, too, looking at anybody we would take out. I look at Yoshi. <coughs> I look at Yoshi as DH. I mean, I don't know who I'd bring up. I'd really want to see a lot more out of Yoshi, just as I want to see more out of Brandon and Austin. Maybe we'll see that come up this uh, in the World Series here with the Dodgers. But it's it's been crazy. It's been nuts. The roster changes? Eh, probably not. And, you know, the Dodgers are looking really good. But one other thing I do want to go ahead and give a tip of the hat, too, when we're looking at our own fielders. If you look at, you were talking about Choi, you look at what he and Wendell and Brandon and Willie have done. Man, we have one of the best defensive teams out there. 
They have done such a fantastic job. Catching balls, getting double plays going, moving quickly, you know, minimal errors. Fantastic. I look forward to more of that, too, in this World Series as well, because they've really made that game exciting. Yeah, and Choi, to me, he's been, like, the defensive MVP because, you know, Adamas, he makes some crazy throws sometimes, and Wendell, he's he'll make a bad throw every now and then, but Choi, like, anything close, he'll scoop it up and he'll still get keep his feet on the bags. And some of the saves that – or not the saves, some of the, the picks that he's made have – He's just been like a vacuum out there. Anything close, it's in the glove in and out. Yeah, this you you can't you can't argue with that kind of efficiency, that effectiveness that they've done. I mean, and seeing Choi, if you told me two years ago I'd see him doing splits like he does, I'd say no. You know, it doesn't seem like he would have the physicality for it, but he certainly does. These men are all athletes, every one of them, and looking in the outfield as well, Margot, Renfro. Kiermaier, Rosarina, all those guys. Just exciting, exciting, exciting stuff to see. The way they go up against the wall, run up there. We talked about Margot taking his flip over the wall with the ball. And, you know, KK will do anything. <laughs> Hurting himself is not really worrisome for him. He's wanting to get that daggone ball, and he'll throw it. So he's he's done a lot. I'm real excited about this, the next move up. And this World Series with the Dodgers is going to be fun, fun, fun. And it starts tomorrow. Yeah, and Kiermaier, like, even though he does some stuff a little excessively, he always hustles, gives 110%, even though it may be a bit unnecessary sometimes. I know like he sells himself out to try to get the on. Sure, if you give him the chance, he'd run through the wall to get it now. And Choi. Oh, I, I agree with you hardly. Yeah, sorry, go ahead, Choi. And Choi, I, I still can't believe a guy his, his size can make splits and dives like that. It's, it's unbelievable. And not hurt himself. To watch him do that has just been, you know, mind-numbing almost. It's just, it's unbelievable. So I want to give a you know, big thank you to the guys for that. And, you know, more celebrations to come. I can only wonder what it would be like to have been at Ferg's this past week. I didn't go, and I haven't checked any live streams on it, but I can imagine it was absolutely insane. You know, that's something I want to, Brandon. I was like, we need like a Thunder Alley. Ooh. You know, that that's what we, we need. I mean, even this time of COVID, you got to be smart about this. But a Thunder Alley, is there a way to do something like that with, the, I don't know about with the Trop, but maybe even actually over in Tampa instead of St. Pete, is there something where we could gather people in a large area for to share this? Well, I mean, Thunder Alley. Thunder Alley. Well, there you go. Do it there. I mean, there's, there's enough fans out there that need to celebrate this together. Because i got to tell you right now, I'm not hearing enough about this. I'm not hearing enough about the World Series. I'm not hearing enough about the Rays. And I'm talking about people. I'm talking in the area. Now, one, I'm not out there amongst crowds and such, but I'm still not seeing it as a vibe that's going through the entire community. And even more so, the media. Yeah, and, you know, I'm not going anywhere either, but we saw it for an entire two-month stretch of NHL playoffs. And I know I talk a lot about the NHL on this show, even though it's a baseball show. You saw it everywhere, all around Tampa Bay. You know, your, your Go, Go Bolts flags, lightning game tonight, on the radio, everywhere. Watch parties every single game. And, you know, there are reasons for that, I believe. I could dive deeper into that, but that would make the show a very, very long show. I have a lot of opinions on that. But the Rays, I don't know if it's because they don't 
play over here in Tampa, it doesn't feel like they get the love that they really do deserve. Or at least it's not as publicized. Because I know a lot of people that root for the race, you know. They may not be diehards like the Lightning, but they at least casually watch them and genuinely root for them to win. They just don't, like, throw it out there like you see with the Lightning and and the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like people are hiding in the closet to share what's really going on about being a race fan. But you got to wonder. I mean, I'm not seeing enough of it. I'm not hearing enough vibe. I see more and more people wear merchandise, and I'm sure we'll see more now that we've gone ahead and won the ALCS and we're going to the World Series. You'll probably see more merch being sold like crazy and being worn. I hate to say this because I want the race to stay here forever, but I don't know that we do enough as a community to support that team to keep here. And if you tell me one more time, not you, but if people tell me one more time that well, you know, it's just too long to go over there and see that team. I'm sorry. We're talking about a world-class team. Whether or not they're playing in the World Series or not, this is a world-class team and has been for, you know, years and years. And if another 10, 15, 20 minutes, you know, what 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 does that cost you? Can you imagine if you're a Green Bay Packer fan, you live in God's knows where, you know, Wisconsin, do you think they're still going to go? You think that if it takes a two-hour drive, they're going to go? And I'm not talking about season ticket holders who have to go if they're going to go every day. I'm talking about a lot of fans. I want to see that. I, I had the opportunity when we were moving forward with the division finals and all that last time and seeing that trop full and the excitement in that air. And there's nothing like it. So once we get post-COVID, I want to see that daggone trop full. And if you don't like that stadium, fine. Don't like it. Go in there, sit down, and watch that team. And enjoy the heck out of a fantastic game because you're not going to see anything like it anywhere else in 72 degrees. Yeah, you don't have to worry about the weather. And, you know, the trough's not the greatest. I understand that. I mean, in my opinion, I think it's a dump, to be honest. And it, it's a bad spot. But, you know, it's, it's what it's we got what today. We got. Yeah. Stu's not going to spend any more money on it. The community's not going to spend any more money on it. And Montreal's just scratching their head saying, how soon can we get them all here? So fans, if you're true fans out there, let your voice be known. Celebrate with these rays, not just during the great times like this, but always. And celebrate this. Let people know you're there. Let the team know you're there, whether you're tweeting, you're Facebooking, any kind of social media. And if you have the opportunity to physically be somewhere where people can see you and still stay safe, do it. Let people know because there is not enough people invested in this team and letting others know about it. I've got to say that right off. And Yeah. I'm sorry. And if they win, maybe do another boat parade like we saw with the Lightning. And could you imagine what that would do if the Rays are holding a boat parade like that and the crowd is as crazy as they were with that? It would be insane and show that people do care about baseball here, which we both know that people do. They just show it in different ways. Absolutely. And you see the other professional sports leaders in this area. You see like Stamkos and Brady. And they're posting different social media saying fantastic things about the Rays. They're supporting the Rays. Take a hint, folks. If you're involved with hockey, if you're involved with football, if you're involved with Tampa Bay, whether it be in Tampa proper or St. Pete, step up. Let's make it happen. Okay, where's my soapbox? (laughs) (laughs) I think I need to fall off of it for a moment because that's just too much. But I do want to take it a step further. Brandon, I want to talk about 
while we feel like there may not be the buy-in as much from some fans around here, the, I wouldn't call it a buy-in, but I'd say the personal investment of time and understanding of what's going on from the media. I'm not talking about fake news. I'm talking about dumb news. This is just dumb. Hmm. We won the ALCS, right? Talking about, we've talked about having defense clinics from what Ray's offer. What we have here is a clinic on not how to do an interview. And Lauren Shahadi, I know it probably wasn't your best day, but after the game, when you address KK, I mean, there's a couple of things. One, the poor ladies, she's got to stand about 12 feet apart from me. There is all this crowd noise celebrating the game. And not only is she have a microphone that's talking to him, it's going across a PA system with all kinds of reverb. So, ouch. But then, Lauren, you, you ask, hey, hey, KK, how's your hand? You feel, oh, yeah, oh, everything's good, good. Uh, you know, congratulations. So, KK, uh, was there, how did she put it? She used a double, double negative. Was there any scenario where you would not be able to be out and not play for the team? He looked at her and bit and, and yeah, you know, I was going to play with the team. Yeah, I'd be out there. I think that's not exactly what she said or he said, but it was kind of weird. But then she goes further with a question. I thought, okay, this sounds like somebody doing a political attack ad. She says, so KK, speaking of scenarios, was, is there a scenario where you wouldn't even be here because you in the front office last year weren't sure whether you're going to be here back or, back or not? I'm like, good Lord, woman. One, I never heard of that topic anywhere before, whether it's true or not. And two, this isn't a place for it. This is a moment of celebration. If you want to go ahead and do some big expo expose and have some deep story, go ahead and do it, but not in a moment of celebrating the ALCS winners and asking KK a stupid question like that. Now, for good or ill, KK didn't hear or feigned that he didn't hear. He said he made her repeat it three times. And the third time she just changed the question together with, well, how, how do you see you and the Rays? Are you a good fit? Yeah, okay. Yeah, we're a great fit. And he went on to say a little bit more. But the way she started out with that, it's like, come on, Lauren, be realistic. Is this is this a question for this moment? And why would you start something like that? I, I don't know. So I was I was a I was a bit peeved to say a bit. Yeah, her her first two questions, you know, I understood, you know, you gotta ask about the hand. That was a pretty big deal. And, you know, was it possible he wouldn't be able to play game seven? I, I understood those questions. But like you said, the third one asking him I might not be back in a raised uniform for this year. I I never heard that story. And I went back. I tried to find something on it. I couldn't find anything. I didn't know. Did I just miss something? Was this something that happened earlier in the year? I just forgot about. I couldn't find anything on it, to be honest. Maybe it is something. But everything well, I saw or heard, I couldn't find anything on it, to be honest. No, I think that would be something that <laughs> the guys in the booth we talking a lot more about than just one quick question to a player. You know, and, and a couple other things I thought I won't say failed because, again, these guys had to put together, all of them, uh, Lauren and the rest of them, have to put together three and a half, four hours of talk during seven hours, you know, or rather for seven games. Some of the things that we kept hearing over and over again is, by the way, do you know, but Dusty Baker, he's 71 years old. Oh, really? You know, I think he felt to age every game if he – if he had to listen to them say that each time, he said that the man's achieved so much. He did so much with the Astros this year. But by the way, did you know Dusty Baker? He's 71 years old. And Kevin Cash, he's uh, he's 42. Good gravy. Say it one more time for because I think I forgot it. I haven't heard it in 10 minutes. So that drove me nuts. And another thing it is comparison, and it's valid to some degree. 
talking about old school with Dusty and analytics with a younger Kevin who's 42 and all that. But I, it, it's a while. If you're actually watching all seven games, it gets to be annoying. Yeah, and we had a lot of people here, you know, complaining about the announcers group. And, you know, everybody complains about the announcers. They say one thing about your team that's somewhat negative, like, oh, they hate us. They're for the other team. And I honestly didn't really listen a whole lot to the announcers. Just to be honest, I didn't, didn't really want to. Smart man. I was just watching. I was just watching the game. And if something happened, I'd listen to what they're saying. But. It was pretty just me just hanging out listening. From what it sounded like, at least here, there were very pro Astros almost celebrating them, oh, their gosh. comebacks. And I didn't see it. I don't, like I said, I don't really pay attention and listen to it. The announcers, I do like them, to be honest. I like Ron Darling, Frank Coor, and, Dar- and uh, yeah. Darling. I think they're all pretty good. But if what I, what I heard about them like being almost like pro Astros, then... That loses a little bit, but I can't really speak on that. Yeah, I, I like, I mean, I, all in all, I like those announcers. It's just that they're limited what they can talk about for so long. You know, yeah, I think they're more pro Astros because they've had the Astros in the news so much. It's what they know. They haven't had the Rays in front of them as much. Yeah, they're talking about the other team and not actually using the name of the Rays. <laughs> and it's like, oh, gosh, baseball biz. But seriously, I'm kidding about that part. But the race team, and what you hear like that, you, we talked about, I forget who it was, it was Rosenthal or somebody called, said something about Ian Snell. It's like, geez, boys and girls, can we please? I, 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 there are, there's going to be foibles, there's going to be people who misspeak, God knows I do. And, yeah, that happens. But I think even broader, looking at the media failings, is what's outside of these games. And that's like looking at ESPN. Where the baseball boys and girls? I, I if I go in there and I tape, um, get it up or take whatever it is, say I'll take something. <laughs> it's just stupefying because okay, let's see what happened with the Dodgers last night. Hmm, hmm. Let's see, only my five or ten minutes in the show, and I haven't talked about baseball. Oh, I'm gonna find out something about Tampa. Bay. I'm gonna talk about oh yeah. <laughs> if I went on something about the Bucks, that's great. But what about this baseball thing going on? It's not there. Okay, there's probably a reason for that. Like ESPN is not does not have the games. If they had the games, I guarantee you those shows would certainly be talking a lot more about baseball, about the Rays, and about the World Series. They have to at some point, but it certainly isn't a priority. Yeah, I mean, I watched ESPN this morning because I wanted to see what they had to say about the Bucks, and they didn't really say anything about the Bucks. It was pretty much what's wrong with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Not a whole lot of credit given to the Bucks defense, but pretty much like you'd expect on a Monday morning this time of year, it's all NFL wall to wall. But the World Series is going on. It's the championship of a major league. Yeah. Huh? And it, you'd think they'd at least touch on it. I mean, first take I watched, um, God knows how I've sat through two hours of that. It's not my cup of tea. Maybe you like it, but it's not my thing. The whole show they're talking football, which, I mean, I have no problem with. And then they finally switch off of that, and they talk about a boxing match that I didn't even know happened. It's like, you got the World Series. The Dodgers are in it, which is an L.A. market, a big market, which ESPN loves them. And I know in the Rays, who are a heck of a story, and no nobody's talking about it. And when they do, it's pretty much just the Dodgers. 
<laughs> and they're they're afraid to go beyond their base of knowledge. You know, if it's anything about that the way if they look up something or do any homework, it ain't going to happen. But I, I, here's my here's my voice to the media, and that is get it right or go home. You know what? Uh, if if you're not going to pay attention, and, and something I wrote down a note here too is people scratch their heads and say, why isn't there a resurgence in baseball? Why why isn't there anything being done about that? Hey, you know what? If sports networks are going to you know not pay attention to it, guess what? Nobody else is either. And I'm not saying they have to be putting up promotions and everything else all the time on baseball, but if you put that much time in front of even talking about the World Series when you had the National League being determined last night, shame on you. Get it right or go home. That's my words to them. And I mean, I know we're a small town or relatively small town market, and there's going to be, you know, a leaning towards the bigger markets, which is understandable because that's where, you know, more eyeballs, more, more money coming in. But it feels like it's more of like an all or nothing scenario with them. Like I heard a a show I love, by the way, I'm I'm not going to name them, but they said that they would rather watch if it were a Rays Braves World Series, they would rather watch the, the Dodgers and Yankees watch that series than watch the Rays Braves World Series. Oh, good. It's good. like, come on now. Well, that whole small market thing. And, it, and I, okay, I understand that I must have neglected child syndrome when it comes <laughs> to baseball and the rest of the you know media. But it's, it's just ridiculous. Like, I think it's perpetuated. But ah, forget it. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. But anything else you want to say about it? Because I'm, I'm done talking about that. I try not to get annoyed with it. I don't as much as I used to. But, of course, you know, with the lightning, that did help. Because, you know, it's always – I get a sick satisfaction out of it when, you know, you're the, the little team that's not supposed to be there. You know, you have the people up north that's like, well, he doesn't belong in the south. And then you go up into their <laughs> buildings and beat them all the time. So it's, it's sort of a sick satisfaction I get out of it. So I, I almost make a point. To like, when we beat the bigger teams, it's like, I want to listen to the show to see what they have to say. Like, hey, where are you at? Come on now. Give us our credit. You say we don't belong and we beat you. Where are you at? So it's a little, maybe it is neglected child syndrome. I just call it a sick satisfaction. (laughs) I like yours better. (laughs) I do it with a smile on my face. Even better. I mean, I I get rid of my animosity and just get right down to it. So anyway, I I appreciate that. Yes, it's been an exciting time in in Tampa. We've got, you know, we had the uh, hockey, everything, blowing everything out with the Stanley Cup. We've got everything moving right along with what we, with uh, actually with Tampa Bay Rays. And, of course, the Bucks are moving well. So it's time to celebrate, boys and girls. what I do want to talk about, though, for a moment is, is I know when and where do we watch these games? Yes, like I said, we don't. Thunder Alley, I wonder if they're going to do something like that, let people watch during the World Series. We'll have to find out. If we do, we'll share that on, on Twitter with you guys. And if you do want to watch the World Series, and I would say this is certainly going to be an exciting best of seven games, here's what we're looking at. First two games, they'll begin being played on Tuesday. Those first two date games, are going to be the home game for the Dodgers. And even if you believe that there's no real advantage except being the last one at bat. So the first two games, Tuesday and Wednesday, Dodgers. Thursday, that's travel day. <laughs> it would be during a regular season. 
And these guys do need a day off as much as they've been playing back-to-back-to-back-to-back games. So then we go as if they were traveling to Tampa, but indeed still there in Arlington. Games 3, 4, and 5 will be played with Friday, Saturday, and Sunday as if Rays home games, also in Arlington. So we've, we have five games at that point. Best of seven, we could have done it. We went for it by then, done. Monday, there's a travel off day. And then we come back for game six and seven, Tuesday and Wednesday. And that's going to be the Dodgers home game. So we've got three home games to their, what, four? So we got to make the most of it. And I feel like we will. Yeah, it's... Thankfully, we don't have those like 845 first pitches that we had last series, which were ridiculous, to be honest. We're tired of watching a game at 1230 at night. And we get, of course, we get Joe Buck and John Smoltz. And I mean, we had Joe Buck yesterday on the Bucks game. We're going to have, a, have him for another week with the Rays. So, And I like John Smoltz. He, he does a great job of, not that the other gentleman didn't, but if walking through a pitch, uh, with because of his own ex- experience as a pitcher, walking through you know one at bat is just can be so exciting. How he goes through all the details of what what that pitcher's doing, what the batter's looking for, etc. Yeah, they, they're definitely I think one of the better broadcasting duos out there. Okay, well, so we we know what we know when the, the games are going to be. You know the TV schedule. Every one of them's going to be at Fox. Or all the games are going to begin around eight o'clock. So it's time to go ahead and make sure you're ready to celebrate. We've talked about that, boys and girls. And if you can't be out at a location because of safety issues, which I do respect, I'm not going out a lot with that, we need to celebrate. Get your raise gear on, you know, get your little party favors. And I know the neighbors here in this apartment complex aren't happy when I'm shouting and screaming in late parts of the game at 1 o'clock. But let's celebrate. You know, prep for that first game on Tuesday. Make sure you get your peanuts. You got your popcorn your fried okra nachos, jalapeno hot dogs, and your favorite beverage. Let's sit down. Of course, you probably need a bottle of Pepto with you nearby, too. But the excitement reigns. You know, we're looking at a great team who's done a lot, who's who's been a part of this community. So let's all celebrate. And I'm looking forward to this great World Series starting on tomorrow, Tuesday. Are you ready, Brandon? I'm ready. Okay, man, then let's make this happen. I want to thank all of y'all once again for listening with us here on Baseball Biz. And just remember, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter at the Baseball Biz and Brandon with at the Sports Blitz One. So thank you again for joining us this week, and we look forward to talking with you real soon. Special thanks to Scott Holmes, who created the music Stomps and Claps. <laughs>